Second Chronicles 28. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He didn't do that which was right in Yahweh's eyes, like David his father, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and also made molten images for the Baals. Moreover, he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire, according to the abominations of the nations whom Yahweh cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed and burned incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Therefore, Yahweh his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria. They struck him and carried away from him a great multitude of captives and brought them to Damascus. He was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel who struck him with a great slaughter. For Pekah the son of Remalia killed in Judah 120,000 in one day, all of them valiant men, because they had forsaken Yahweh, the God of their fathers. Zikri, a mighty man of Ephraim, killed Maasia, the king's son, Azrakam, the ruler of the house, and Elkanah, who was next to the king. The children of Israel carried away captive of their brothers 200,000 women, sons and daughters, and also took away much plunder from them and brought the plunder to Samaria. But a prophet of Yahweh was there, whose name was Oded. And he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold, because Yahweh the God of your fathers was angry with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand, and you have slain them in a rage which has reached to the heaven. Now you intend to degrade the children of Judah and Jerusalem as male and female slaves for yourself? Aren't there even with you trespasses of your own against Yahweh your God? Now hear me, therefore, and send back the captives that you have taken captive from your brothers, for the fierce wrath of Yahweh is on you. Then some of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, Berechiah the son of Meshilamoth, Jehizkiah the son of Shalom, and Amasa the son of Hadlai, stood up against those who came from the war, and said to them, You must not bring in the captives here, for you intend that which will bring on us a trespass against Yahweh, to add to our sins and to our guilt, for our guilt is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men let the captives and the plunder before the princes and all the assembly. The men who had been mentioned by name rose up and took the captives, and with the plunder clothed all who were naked among them, dressed them, gave them sandals, gave them something to eat and drink, anointed them, carried all the feeble of them on donkeys and brought them to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to their brothers. And then they returned to Samaria. At that time, Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria to help him. For again, the Edomites had come and struck Judah and carried away captives. The Philistines also had invaded the cities of the lowland and of the south of Judah and had taken Beth Shemeth, Aijalon, Gedaroth, Soko with its villages, Timnah with its villages, and also Gimzo and its villages, and they lived there. For Yahweh brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel, because he acted without restraint in Judah and trespassed severely against Yahweh. Tiglath Pilneser, king of Assyria, came to him and gave him trouble, but didn't strengthen him. For Ahaz took a portion out of Yahweh's house and out of the house of the king and of the princes, and gave it to the king of Assyria, but it didn't help him. In the time of distress, he trespassed more against Yahweh, this same king Ahaz, 
for he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which struck him. He said, because the king, the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, so I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. Ahaz gathered together the vessels of God's house and cut the vessels of God's house in pieces and shut up the doors of Yahweh's house in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoke Yahweh, the God of his fathers, to anger. Now the rest of his acts and all his ways, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. Ahaz slept with his fathers and they buried him in the city, even in Jerusalem, because they didn't bring him into the tomb of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. So Ahaz is probably the worst of all the kings of Judah to this point. Uh, because he now is doing things like sacrificing his own children in the fire. And um, so you get the impression of thinking, oh, he, um, he must not believe in the Lord. <laughs> um, but he would have believed in the Lord. He just believed he was polytheistic. He believed in multiple different gods. And he, the thought is that, uh, you know, the thought in people like of him or his time was, you know, the more gods you can have on your side, the better. And uh, whereas the Lord, you know, way back in the law, in, you know, Exodus chapter 20 and places like that, it would say, I am the Lord your God. It's Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And um, in Deuteronomy 5, you know, he would say, the Lord your God is one. And um, how we understand that now is we understand that now to be two things. First of all, there's only one God. The Lord your God is one. But we also understand that the Lord our God, he's a trinity. He's three, but he's one. And uh, but very clear scriptures like that saying that the Lord your God is one. There's only, you know, there, these were strong ideas that were supposed to teach all the Israelites that there's only one God, but they never seemed to quite get it. And we talked about Elijah back in um, Kings, how he came along and said, and even the, the name Elijah means the Lord is God. You know, the, the strength of the message of there being only one God was a true message, but it was so hard to sink into the people. And so here you've got the king of Judah, and he's polytheistic, even though the Lord has gone to such great pains to make the point that there's only one God, and it's him. And in the Ten Commandments, you know, only have one God, have none before him. They, he just doesn't do it. And so the Lord, it says here that the, the surrounding nations came against Judah. And in this whole chapter, it mentions five nations that, that were against Judah. There was Syria, Israel, Edom, the Philistines, and the Assyrians. Five nations that were giving Judah trouble. And, um, but at the beginning, it mentions two. It mentions the Syrians and the Israelites. And it says the nation of Israel attacked Judah with a great, um, a great uh, slaughter. 120,000 men died. 200,000 men, uh, women and children were taken away as slaves. And as they were being taken away as slaves, a prophet called Oded, and we don't really know anything about this guy except for the, prophet, the prophecy that we have here. But Oded says to the Israelites um, that the Lord is punishing Judah because of their sins. But why are you doing this? You've got your own sins to worry about. Don't provoke the Lord any more than you already have. So he basically says to Israel, 
don't think that just because you're doing something for the Lord means that you know you're in His good books. <laughs> um, you know you're you're a sinner too, and the Lord's punished them. And be careful, because He'll punish you as well. And this um, this little moment, you know, fortunately, in this exact moment, Israel hears and sends back the slaves. But so often the nation of Israel didn't hear and didn't follow the advice of prophets. But as Christians, we are often fall into this exact same trap so often because we think that because we do things for the Lord, that puts us into the good category. <laughs> and um, But as you can see from this story, the Lord uses everyone to do things for him, even sinners. He, in fact, there's no one who does things for him that isn't a sinner. The Lord uses the worst of people to do things. And you'll, when we get to the book of Jeremiah and the prophets, you know, and Jeremiah is saying things like, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they're going to come against this land. Well, the Babylonians were terrible. <laughs> Worshipping uh, God, uh, other gods um, that we don't even want to name and the things they did were horrible. And yet this is who the Lord was raising up to bring about his will. So you can see that the Lord uses all sorts of people to do his will. And we mustn't assume that because we do things for God, we're on his side or we're in his good books. We mustn't assume that he approves of us or approves of the things we do just because we are used by him. Those are two separate things. And uh, the Lord loves us. That's an unconditional love. His love is unconditional. It doesn't depend on what we do. But the consequences that will come to our life, you know, there'll be consequences depending on what we do. And uh, so these are two separate things. And you know this is true with your own children. You can love your own children perfectly, um, but if they don't do the homework, they'll still get into trouble. <laughs> so there's consequences. You know, you can say to your children, you know, I want you to do well at school. I want you to study. It's, it'll be good for you. Listen to my wisdom. And you, you can tell them everything. It can all come from a heart of love. You can love them perfectly, but they'll still make their own choices and the outcomes of their choices will still apply despite your perfect love for them. So the Lord loves Israel, but Israel's made its choices. The Lord loves Judah, and Judah has made its choices. So the, the Lord use, chooses to use Israel to punish Judah, but it doesn't mean he's approving of Israel. It's just how it is. So um, we just keep that in mind and we always go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, we always try to keep a pure heart. We want to stay close to him. We want to know what his mind and his will is so we can walk with him. Then in the end of this chapter, Ahaz does something that none of the other kings of Judah did. He takes the gods of Assyria and worships them. So up to this point, he's been worshiping the gods of the Moabites, the gods of the Ammonites, you know, he's been sacrificing his children in the fire. He's been worshipping under every tree, like that's like what they were doing in Israel. He's been worshipping the gods of the nations right around him, and other kings did that a bit too. But now he's going to go to a, a nation that's further away, the Assyrians, and he's going to say, wow, they're conquering, and they're winning, they seem to be having victories. And he, in his mind, thinks, I'm going to worship those gods, because those are the ones that seem to be doing good for the Assyrians, and so he doesn't, he, he, he goes even further into making an effort to find other gods to worship and turning his back on the Lord. Um, part of it is, is this idea of the nation that's the strongest must have the best gods. So that's, 
that'll be a little bit like looking around at society today and saying, well, you know, who's doing the best? I want to I want to be like them. And um, so we we see our um, our children, you know, when they watch television or whether they when they watch certain types of movies, particularly like say I think music clips, video clips, and they see singers which they would other you know they would highly admire dressing a certain way, acting a certain way, and maybe the way that they're dressing, acting isn't godly, and yet they think I want to be like them because their life's, you know, and the, the subconscious message that they receive is their life's going great, I admire them, I'm gonna do what they're doing. And so that's what Ahaz does here. He looks at the Assyrians, he thinks, I want my life to be like that, I'm gonna do what they're doing. And, um, but as we know, that's not what we should be doing. <laughs> we shouldn't be looking at other people in our lives, role models, or even people in their workplaces and copy them just because what they're doing seems to be working. Now, what we need to do is look at the Lord Jesus Christ and say, what does he want me to do? So don't try to copy the godless things you see around you. That's what Ahaz did. Don't try to make these other things more important than the Lord. That's what Ahaz did. No, we, we make the Lord more important. We follow the first of the Ten Commandments and we, and we say, I will have no other gods except the Lord my God. I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to say, what has he wanted me? And I'm going to, to put that into place. And uh, it'll be hard. it can be hard sometimes in your workplace uh, when there's peer pressure to act a certain way. Um, we, we try to strengthen our children as they grow up and we say to them, you know, in the future there'll be times of peer pressure. Friends that you like might want you to smoke a cigarette or they might want you to try drugs and they might say things like, it's just once, just let's just see what it's like. And... So we try to warn our children about the effects of peer pressure, but ultimately it comes down to wanting to be like others, wanting to be accepted by others, wanting to be good. And all of these are the types of pressures that Ahaz went through and caved into. We must avoid it. Before I close, I must mention that um, in ancient times they had this thing called a bulla, B-U-L-L-A, and it was a ring that kings and other important people would wear, kind of like a signet ring, and often they would like melt wax and, and push their ring into it. Well, the bulla, the signet ring of Ahaz, has been discovered, and it's currently in a collection at Yale University in the United States. They have a collection of bullas, of you know, signet rings from ancient times, from all different kings, and they have the signet ring of Ahaz. I think that's pretty cool. And if you do a Google search, you'll see exactly what it looks like. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're with us. Lord, we thank you that the scriptures tell us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Father, while we look around and we see things all around us that look appealing, they look strong, they look wonderful, they look like they would be joy giving. And yet we understand, Lord, that you are our strength, you are our joy. Lord, the grace that we need is, is in you. So Lord, preserve us from wanting to have other gods like Ahaz, to wanting to follow the example of people around us, of wanting to be like role models on the internet who are terrible role models. Lord, may we not be tempted by the things that so are so tempting, especially for young people, Lord, who listen to this video and watch this video. Lord, let grace be imparted to them in Jesus' name. Amen.